0: Effective preaching is far better than miraculous healing. Healing the body is earthly, temporary, and does not by itself change the heart. Speaking the truth about Christ builds the kingdom of God. It's eternal. It transforms heart, mind, and soul. It enables the preacher to endure resistance, rejection, and abuse, all for the cause of Christ. I'm going to talk a lot today about preaching. And I just want you to broaden your, your likely first instinct or definition of that word. Okay? Preaching is what the pastor does in most churches, and that's good, and we need pastors and teachers to, to do so. And yet, there is a certain aspect to all believers' lives where we all are preachers or communicators in some form or another, in one way or another. Of the message of God through Christ, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to look at today, and how this message that we can all participate in conveying and speaking about and and communicating to other people is really vital. And and it's more vital than than even miraculous signs and and, and healing and things like that. So let's begin with the first four verses from Acts 14. Now, uh, they're going to mention several places. I forgot to put the map slide up for, for you geographic people, um, but they are not moving really far. They're, they're going from um, where they were in the previous week, and now they're going to Iconium, and that's not far, far at all. And um, the other towns to be mentioned in this passage are like neighboring towns, so it's sort of like going from... Um, stroudsburg and then to east stroudsburg and then to marshall's creek and then to to bushkill and maybe up to milford but it's all within walking distance you know uh, within all these towns with a days travel or less so um this is the, the the case here they're not jumping on a ship and going a great distance Verse 1, X 14, at Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. They spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some studied with the Jews, others with the apostles. Effective preaching leads to belief, but not without resistance. First, I want you to notice there, in the. this is something we're going to see going forward through the rest of Acts, that when they went to this city, it says, as usual, they went to the synagogue. If there was a synagogue in a the city they went to, And um, the further they got away from Israel, there may have been some places that didn't have one, but if there was one, that's where they went because Paul is carrying out the message first to the Jew, then the Gentile. He's not excluding either of them, but that's his starting point. And if he's not welcomed in the synagogue, if they kick him out of the synagogue, he's going to keep preaching and teaching in the streets or wherever he might be able to do so. But this is always his practice. And it says they spoke effectively. They they, they brought this message of of hope from God, of of, of peace from God to to the people that were um, gathered in that synagogue. And at first there was there was great excitement, and a great number believed, both Jews and Greeks who were gathered there. But then there was resistance. Then there was some of them that just didn't want to buy it. And, and, and I, I, that phrase there, it says in the, in the second verse, poisoned their minds against them. Poisoned their minds. There's a lot of mind poisoning going on today, isn't there? There's a lot of rejection of the truth. And when you reject the truth, then the, the task seems to be that after that, you find a way to discredit the other side, to discredit those you don't agree with and, and, and poison people's minds against them. It's not enough to just, just say, well, I don't agree with you. It now has to, it always seems, sadly, to go further than that, poisoning minds. And this was also the case here in, in this city in, in the first century. Um, but in spite of that, notice in the third verse, they kept on speaking boldly. They were there for a considerable amount of time. We don't know exactly what that means, but it means more than a couple of days, weeks, probably months. They were there a long time. So, so there is this give and take going on. There was opposition there, and they were making themselves known. But it was still, it was still safe to to have these conversations, to have these. Um, I don't want to use the word debate necessarily, but but just talk about. What, what they believe in and why, and why they, these people can and should be accepting of this belief. And, and so this is the, the, the challenge for them. And effective preaching does indeed believe, excuse me lead to belief among at least some of the people gathered there in Iconium. And now verse 5 says, there was a plot from a foot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to Laconium and cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. Even though there was a threat and the threat was well founded enough that they had to leave for their own safety, they continued to preach. They didn't allow those threats to stop them. This wasn't a case where, wow, this is fun, And we'll keep going as long as it's fun. And then there's resistance. Oh, this isn't fun anymore. I'm out of here. (laughs) This isn't comfortable anymore. I'm out of here. This isn't going easy anymore. I'm out of here. Now, that was not Paul and Barnabas' attitude. No matter what resistance, no matter what level of, of, of rejection and even threats against their lives, They were going to continue to preach. And indeed, they did so. They went on to the the neighboring towns and kept on doing that. And then the eighth verse says, In Lystra there was a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw... What Paul had done, they shouted in the Laconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bowls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Let's stop there. Healing requires faith, but can easily be misunderstood. Paul brings healing to a lame man. Sounds familiar, right? Peter did something very similar very early on after Pentecost. You know, him and John were together and they brought healing. And that was controversial in Jerusalem. Jesus, numerous times, healed people who could not walk. And, he would, and more than once he told them, you know, get up, take up your mat and go home. And what's interesting here is how, like Jesus, when, when Jesus healed someone, how often did he say, it is your faith that has made you well? It's like, it's, it's almost as if they did it and Jesus had to give them the, the courage to believe what was already in them. You know, go ahead, you have this faith. And then and, and Paul sees the faith in this man and heals him. And it's a wonderful miracle for him and for his family, the one who is lame can now to now walk and he's excited and yet the effect that this miracle had on the town brought a lot of concern not to suggest that Paul shouldn't have done this it was wrong to do it but the impact is different and you know healing requires faith but healings and miracles don't necessarily produce faith it's an important distinction to make as we go forward here. It's always best that the the message of the gospel is 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 taught, is preached, is 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 conveyed through 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 our words from our hearts to to, to other people, whether it is in a group of people, a small group of people, or a one-to-one conversation, to communicate is is to is to use our our voice to say this. This is what I believe, and here's why I believe it, and this is is who Jesus is. That's the, the best way. Miracles can be helpful and are a really big blessing, but they are very limited. And if we base, and this is important, if we base our faith on the miracle that we had or the one we're looking for, that's as far as your experience with God is going to take you. I was healed of this or that last week, last month, 10 years ago or more. And if you spend the rest of your life just looking for the next miracle are always pointing back to that, but your heart hasn't been transformed, your heart hasn't been healed, your life hasn't really been directed to the Lord, then that miracle has only taken you as far as your healing can go. Do you ever consider the fact that every person that Jesus healed of anything has one thing in common? One day they all died. Every one of them. Even the man Lazarus, who was brought back from the dead, died again at some point of something, died permanently, I guess you might say, however it was, but but everyone died, everyone died, so, so we can put too much emphasis on miracles and on healing miracles because that's not why Christ came to keep us healthy in these bodies forever. I'm not sure I'd want that, I don't know, I... <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm getting older. I'm getting bigger in the middle. And, you know, the lines in the forehead and the energy and all that stuff, just part of getting older. So I don't know how long I want to hang out in this planet. But I do want to hang out in eternity with Christ. And that's the main message. Yeah, it's for here, but it's also for there. So that's what we have to do because this town heard the, saw the miracle latched on to the miracle and then directed it with the religious instincts that they already had about Greek gods. They didn't listen to the teaching or weren't ready to listen to the teaching about who it is these men, Paul and Barnabas, were truly representing the message they were going to convey. They just thought, wow, Zeus and Hermes are here. Great. Let's go. They, they become, they took on flesh. Now I'm sure Paul and Barnabas at some point doesn't specifically say it here, but they would convey, wait a minute. No, though the one God, the only one and true God did take on flesh. He was a man named Jesus from a place called Nazareth, and he is the Christ. And he proved that by dying and rising from the grave. That is the one who took on flesh, but not us. Remember a few weeks ago when um, the kind of the ugly story of Herod and how Herod was in a big public place and people started to, to praise him as a god. And because he didn't stop it or didn't try to stop it or didn't at least deny it, then God took his life. And so Paul and Barnabas, they, they no, we don't want that. We're not gods. And, and listen to what they say as, as we go forward now to the 14th verse. Um, you know, the difficulty of correcting misplaced faith because this was the challenge now. There, the, 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 the collective faith of that town was in a combination of the Greek gods and now embodied in these two men, at least that's what they were thinking. They were trying to cast that upon them. Even though Paul and Barnabas denied it and refused it, it was a really tough hurdle to get over. So, so listen to at the at the, the 14th verse. When the, when the apostles Paul and Barnabas heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting. Friends, why are you doing this? We are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from your worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, excuse me, in the past he let all nations go their way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops for in their seasons he provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy now listen to the 18th verse even with these words they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them you familiar with a a phrase called groupthink, where a a a group of people can be relatively small group can be massive group collectively embraces something, a a, a thought, an idea, a a, a principle. And the thought or idea could even be something that is false or even a lie. But once the group has embraced it, especially when it's a lie, it's very difficult to pull them back. And we see that all the time, don't we, today? It is, it's really tough even for the Apostle Paul and for for Barnabas, even with their preaching to to get this group back to where they want them to be to convey the truth about God. The group had already made up its mind and once they went there, it's hard to get that uh, horse back in the barn, okay? Now, um, notice what they said here. And that is Paul and Barnabas when they said in the 15th verse, the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And he goes on in the 17th verse, "Um, you've been shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven, the crops in their season, provides you with plenty of food. Now all of those things mentioned are what, what these people in this town of Greek culture would pray to their gods about. Would, work, would go to their temples for, to the temple of Zeus or the temple of Hermes or Aphrodite or whatever it is. There, there was various gods for various aspects to your life. And, and some of the most important ones were, especially in a society that understands agriculture, you had a god for the sun, so, the crops would grow; you had a God for the clouds and the rain, so the the water would the, the ground would get water, and the seeds would grow. You had a god a God to worship that the ground would be fertile and produce the crop. You had a God for the the harvest time that the the crops would be full and you 'd have a lot. You had a god about the food, you had a god about the animals that ate the grain that you, they needed to live on and then so everything had a god about it a fertility god gods about sex gods about relationship gods about marriage there were so many gods out there and so Paul and Barnabas are doing something really brilliant here they're acknowledging what people are seeking in all of their of their of their worship of these multiple gods and they're simplifying it for them You don't have to do all this. You guys are working way too hard. My goodness. How can you keep track of all of them? And if you know anything about Greek mythology, there's usually battles and wars between these gods and and fighting. And so if that's what's going on in in the heavens, in in, in the mind of Greek mythology, then that filters its way down to the people on earth that believe those stories. And they have infighting. And so Paul and Barnabas are saying, you can really simplify your life by accepting the truth that there's only one. And he takes care of all of this. And he even fills your heart with joy. Isn't that awesome to know? That's such a great message. But again, 18th verse, even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them, from bringing them back what they had already decided is true about Paul and Barnabas. Even though Paul and Barnabas are denying it to their face, they're still believing the lie. That's the power of the lie, isn't it? Once you've embraced it, once that lie gets embedded into your heart, it, it is really hard to let go of. And, and that, while that can be a complicated thing, I think in some sense it's very simple. That boils down to one word, pride. Yeah, I was wrong about that. How often do we say those words? How often do we admit that? When we're part of a a group think that doesn't take us anywhere. And down to the 19th verse. Misplaced faith is easily turned against the truth. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. So what's happened here is this group that wanted to call them Zeus and Hermes is now united. But once Paul and Barnabas deny the thing that they were united about, they give up on the Paul and Barnabas being Zeus and Hermes, but they keep their unity. This is important. They keep their unity. It's not a good unity. So now they need a direction to go in and all they need is a leader and a purpose to push them in a new direction. So guess what happens? The towns that Paul and Barnabas had already been in, the towns that they had to escape with their life from, had some group that it wasn't enough to get these guys out of their town. They're going to the neighboring town. They have friends and relatives in that neighboring town. They have business relationships in those towns. And we're going to stop these guys there too. And that group came in to this volatile situation where they're trying to make Paul and Barnabas gods. Paul and Barnabas are denying it. Now they're united and guess what comes in? Yeah, that's right. These guys are no good. You need to get rid of them. We need to destroy them, and the whole group turns now from wanting to sacrifice to and honor and worship these two men to killing these two men, and when it says they were drugged outside of the city and stoned, that means they thought they were dead. In fact, it says that, but when you stone someone, the intent is to kill them. The intent isn't just to inflict pain, and, you know, and, and give them a lot of bruises and beats and concussions. The intent is to kill them like happened with Stephen. This is what they wanted to do. And the misplaced faith of that town now was turned against the truth. And then in the the second half of the the 20th verse, even when physically beaten, they kept on preaching. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Oh, note at the end of the 20th verse, by the way, they went back into the city. The same city of the people that, that threw rocks at them, Now, maybe that was the church in that town because they were beaten. They had to be cared for and kind of secretly took them back until they were healed. And then, all right, you guys get going. And they did. But then the 21st verse says, They preached the gospel in that city, now Derby, and won a large number of disciples. So it went from threats that they escaped earlier moving on to another town, having those people follow them there. Now they are not just threatened, they are beaten within an inch of their life. And what do they do? Well, this is enough for me. This isn't fun anymore. I didn't think I'd have to do all of this. Oh, I don't want to get hurt again. No, that wasn't their attitude. Their attitude was, well, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. And that's exactly what they did. They kept on preaching, and they even... Returned to the place of their pain. The middle of the 21st verse says, Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. So they retraced all these places from the group that got together and caused them all this problem, and they went back right in their face. Right back into that town. In spite of that, the courage they had was, was extraordinary because they knew in their hearts that this is what matters the most because their faith was based upon the crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ and and in him that's what matters most in him even my own life doesn't matter in comparison to getting this gospel out to the world if their faith had been based on a personal miracle that was for them it wouldn't have gone very far if that's all that it was you know Paul himself had the the miracle, although it wasn't a healing, in some sense it was a reversal of a, of a miracle when he, his, his sight was taken from him, and that's what was the beginning of his transformation. But to Paul's credit, although he, he speaks of that moment frequently, he grew leaps and bounds from that day. He didn't just, you know, say, that's all that I have to have. I had this, this Damascus Road experience, and now I'm always going to talk about that. No, he talked about the Lord behind it. Something else to, to, to realize here, you had Paul coming to this town, finding this lame man, and seeing the faith in him, and praise God, he can walk again. Well, Paul got beaten up, but there's, no, there's nothing here that says, and the disciples or Barnabas or someone prayed, and Paul was healed. doesn't say that. I think he was healed eventually. I think his body healed just like, you know, they, they cared for the wounds and, you know, gave him time to recover from concussion or wherever else he might have had. But there wasn't a, a, a miraculous intervention to make all of the wounds disappear. Because Paul didn't need that. Paul, Paul's faith wasn't dependent upon, I'm really hurting, God make me better today, Amen. I'm really hurting now, God, if you don't do something, well, I'm just going to stop believing in you or I'm just going to turn my back on you or, or I'm going to be mad at you or wherever else it is. That was not his attitude because his faith was based in the right place. It was placed in the right place to begin with. <clears throat> and then he says while he's there, let me go in, in return to that place. Let me read the middle of that verse again. I'm sorry, 22nd verse. Strengthen the disciples and encourage them to remain true to the faith. He says this, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Must go through many hardships. Now, this is not a kind of a bait and switch thing. Well, all of this is faith in Jesus. and Oh, by the way, you also have to suffer or you can't get into heaven. This is not what this is saying, okay? What it is conveying is that When we are bringing the message of truth into the world, we are confronting the world system, the way the world thinks. And basically, the way the world thinks is this. Each person has to make their own way. Each person has to, of themselves, find what's right and true accept it embrace it sacrifice to it live for it you know suffer for it wherever it is but but as long as it's based upon my decision my actions my words then God's going to see me as righteous. God's going to see me as worthy of being loved or at least being accepted. I'm going to appease God through whatever religion it is, maybe no religion at all. It's just maybe the religion is me. Maybe I am my own God, and so I'm going to show the world how righteous I am, or show myself how righteous I am. See, all of of that, and, and I just barely scratched the surface of the the multitude of ways in which, which humanity as a whole and individual people try to concoct a reason for their existence and that their existence matters to God and I'm going to show God, prove God, appease God. That's the system that the message of Jesus Christ is disrupting, is invading, and that system is never going to give up without a fight. That's what Paul is talking about here. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, the kingdom of God established by Christ in his teaching, in his preaching, and then culminated in the coming of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is here and now, and forever. The kingdom of God is is you and I living our lives for Christ, whether or not we get kickback, resistance, rejection. And and yes, there is certainly blessing and joy, as he just said a few verses ago, filling our hearts with joy. But we don't stop it because it got hard. And they went right back to the place of pain and made sure that everyone understood that this is part of the deal in some form or another. um, That there's going to be hardship, there's going to be difficulty, there's going to be pain. But you know who's with you in the pain? Your Savior. He doesn't leave you there, abandon you there. And down at verse 24, note these three things that happen, resuming, reporting, and arresting. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. Don't you love these names and words and places? And it seems so foreign to us. But what can be helpful is, as I kind of alluded to at the start, like like think about they're going from, you know, Stroudsburg, East Stroudsburg, to Marshall's Creek, to Bushkill, or or even where you grew up maybe. Think about a town, because usually when you think about, about your hometown, your home area, it's not just the buildings, and the familiar sites and whatever goes on there, there are people connected to all of those places, okay? So, so when, when we read a list of places, remember, there are people there. There are people who were loved. There are people who matter to God just as much as you do. And so this is what they're doing. They are resuming their work. They are taking this message into these additional towns and regions. And in twenty-six verse, from Attilia, they sailed back to Antioch. Now, there's two Antiochs here. The Antioch, Pisidia, was the one where they got trouble. That's um, up into Asia a little bit, all right? This Antioch is the one in... In Israel, northern Israel, where it is basically the headquarters of Christianity at that point. Okay, um, They sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. There's that long time again, indefinite time. But what we had here, they resumed the work as they traveled. They got to Antioch. They reported and and brought all the good news about what's going on, most particularly that the gospel door had been opened to the Gentiles and they are not going to let that door get shut. This is what God wants, and we're going to keep doing it. And Paul and Barnabas are literally leading the way in making sure that door stays open. But then there also is a time of rest. They stayed a long time. They were going to go out again sometime later and have new experiences and new difficulties and new challenges and some more beatings, honestly. But they need to rest first. Do you need rest? Oh yeah. Hmm. I think the lack of rest is... Is almost like a pandemic proportion, if I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. And and the sad thing about it is, we have means to controlling it, and we don't use them. And I'm just going to give you one example. I'm not going to dump everything onto the smartphone, okay? But this is this is a this is a big one, okay? Um, it just you don't have to answer this, obviously. But I mean, do, do you do you turn it off at night? Is it it next to your bed? I really believe, if you're not sleeping well, that could be part of your challenge. Because your subconscious mind is awake, wondering if you're going to get a notification or a text or if it's going to ring or something else. And you're trying to sleep. Now, maybe, you know, you're, you're still asleep, but is it really a restful sleep if you're worried about that phone? Now, if, if you would turn it off and put it away and burn it in the ground for the night or something, okay, then that might at first feel like, where's my phone? What am I going And you won't be asleep for that reason. But, you know, my, my point is bigger than that. My point is that if there's ways that are keeping us from resting and, and the... You know, we have a screen right here. How much time do we spend looking at these things in our hand or on the wall or the television or, you know, anything? They're useful, they're good, they're helpful, they're amazing, and yet they're constant. And the mind is going, and the mind can't keep up with the Internet, okay? (laughs) Google, any topic you want, you can spend the rest of your life reading the articles or or the websites or the YouTube videos or... Right? It's, it's literally endless. And that's part of the reason we can't rest. Not to mention the stress of life, the stress of family, the stress of job, the stress of a pandemic. Oh, people, we need rest. And don't feel guilty when you get it. You're not lazy. Make time to rest. Disciples had it. So in wrapping this up, I want to go to a verse from... 1 uh, Peter, should say 1 Peter on the screen, First Peter 3, 15 and 16, and I started with how all of us at, at a certain level have a preaching responsibility in our life, even if we're not the preacher here on a Sunday morning in this church or much bigger churches or traveling preachers or whatever, but all of us have the opportunity and responsibility to communicate the truth about God in some form, to preach, to speak up, to give an answer, to, to share from your heart. And sometimes it is the, the preaching to one person, to, to have the conversation with one person that, that you either pre, you know, prayerfully go into or just sort of comes to you. Are you ready? This is what Peter's saying. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Ready to talk. That's what preaching is. You know, I get up really early Sunday and I've already worked on it throughout the week and then I refine it for a couple of hours and, you know, bring it out here and that's the sermon, that's preaching. But you know what? Your preaching matters too. You're the way you talk and communicate, even non-verbally, to your loved ones, to your co-workers, to whoever it is. It sends a message to them of some kind. And is it a God-honoring message? Is it the kind of message that, that brings His love to them and can fill their hearts with joy as they embrace it? Father, may we be found faithful in conveying Your message in words, in deeds, in the attitudes of our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.